Yeah, the uh, the delivering liquor thing is kind of interesting, but it, I, but it's been very interesting to me during all of this. Uh, people talking about like regional differences in like it, nobody has anything to do, so everybody's talking about regional differences in liquor delivery or pizza styles or like what what's the best dumpling or whatever. Uh huh. Um, everybody's everybody's cooking differently right now and uh it's it's creating these kind of uh i I don't know when some of these feuds start up i start hearing the uh west side story music like da 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 you know like people snapping at each other um and fighting over the last bag of flour the last jar of yeast at the at the whole foods just uh, knifing each other with their uh, straight razors. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, the the whole thing has brought out uh, all of these uh, like PKUN little like turf wars um, that that may have gone unnoticed, except nobody's got anything else to do except talk about like you know uh, people talking about like you know true Neapolitan pizza is just like garbage that needs to be thrown in the trash. It's like oh I've I've had that before. It's pretty good. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know that Minnesota has a lot of regionally specific food. Like we do have a Minnesota style pizza, which is basically a party pizza or they call it party cut where instead of cutting it into triangles, you, uh, you cut it into squares. Right. Right. And then it's a very flat pizza with sort of a, a uh, like a cracker crust. Sure. And the, the, uh, oh, I love it. It's sauce like what tends you... to be a little bit sweet and a little bit spicy. Yeah, it's a really like, good pizza. But it's uh, like what, what you used to get from the from like the Schwann delivery guy, <laughs> or like a like a Red Baron pizza. I think Red Baron yeah. pizza is Red is Baron is close. Yep. You know, do you guys have Papa Murphy's that way. where you cook it yourself? We do have Papa Murphy. Yep, that's pretty uh-huh. good because you can put your own toppings on it. You know, get some of them fresh mushrooms. You know, dice up some peppers, some onions on there. It's pretty pretty nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of pizza eating going on right now. Oh yeah, um, have not seen a whole lot of people making their own pizza dough. Interestingly, no, no, that hasn't. Well, I, I guess do a lot of people make sourdough pizza pizza crust? It seems <laughs> oh, to be the yeah. the style now. Everybody's doing sourdough. Yeah, now's the time. It, now's the time. It's to push funny those because boundaries. if you go back and you look at like. Uh, stories of people went out to the Klondike for the gold rush. They all had bags around their neck that had sourdough mothers in it. They would all make sure. their own sourdough. So we're kind of reverting back to uh, American pioneer days. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, like one of my favorite little details in uh, the book Lonesome Dove is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, is that Gus keeps like sourdough biscuits going all the time he's got like a sourdough starter and he cooks them out in the backyard of the lonesome dove ranch uh but then when they have to leave he has to leave his dutch ovens behind because they've been buried in the dirt for so long that they're just like crumbling and he can't take them with him uh but yeah that's uh i mean i made an artisanal sourdough loaf on sunday that came out (laughs) extremely fucking well it's really really good bread um was it that fast i mean how long don't you have to let it sit for like forever? Well, I started it Saturday weeks, night. Yeah, no, I, I started doing the, the folding and the shaping and stuff Saturday night. Let it sit. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's not fucking around. Like you, it's, it's like a 24 hour project, but uh, the bread came out really, really good. 
Yeah, I'm just waiting for, you know, nature to reclaim my neighborhood. And when the buffalo move back in, you know, I'll be yeah. living my full Oregon Trail fantasies. It's going to yeah, be so right. exciting. Well, you can only bring back 50 pounds of meat to the wagon. Brand, so <laughs> just remember that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my quarantined co-host and comrade in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Hello, Brendan. How's it treating Hello. you? Hello. You know, it's it's going all right. I'm, I'm easing in. Um, we, we bought some new video games. We're hunkered down for a long yeah. winter. Uh, <laughs> it was 80 degrees the other day, and now there's four inches of snow on the ground, and it's actively snowing here in Omaha. Yeah. But I think it's going to be like 50 degrees tomorrow. So, yeah, na- nature is nature is recovering. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 snowing again in April in Nebraska, and things have gone back to normal. Or the Yellowstone caldera has finally exploded, and this is the, a rain of ash. Uh, it's one of those like two would, things. Yeah, I feel like we would have heard about that, but also I feel like we shouldn't say that on the show. <laughs> Given our propensity to say a thing oh, and no. then it happens before the show comes out. So, yeah, let's avoid that. Well, Sorry, everyone. <laughs> meantime, uh, coming back to us uh, as our, our special guest this week, uh, we've got from Minneapolis, Max Barber. And Max, I, I believe that this is your liquid flannel hat trick. Yeah, this is third time, I think. I think that's right. The last two times we uh, did, you know, we asked you to do unpaid and emotional labor for us <laughs> and like read stories, but this time we just wanted to have you back on because it had been a while. So Yeah, just feeling chatty. That's right. So thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure as always. Yeah. No, Max, I've been curious though, um, you know, your, your state and a number of the states around you have... Uh, are are apparently joining some sort of uh, like <laughs> subnational like union sort of compact like compact of states uh, yeah, against is, the federal government. This is the beginning of the end. I think uh, we're going to have just various states breaking off and forming their own small mini unions. Because um, what else can we do? We, there's no federal support. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, if we're going to tackle this thing, it has to be done. Like right now, Minnesota is a little bit ahead of the curve. We locked down pretty early on um, when there were were not a lot of infections. And, oh, so uh, your state's ruining the economy. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> believe me. I think I think tonight we had people showing up at the governor's mansion, banging on the the fences and demanding that we reopen. So um, that's going on there too, right? Because because yep. uh, we saw it in, it, it, that was definitely going on in Michigan. We also saw it going on in Kentucky where you got these like big, uh, like convoys of people showing up at the governor's mansion. And, you know, there's that great picture of the people like banging on oh, the yeah. governor's mansion door and they look like, uh, like the walking fucking dead. Yeah, at which they will be soon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, open the strip clubs, open them! Ah! <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know what these people are thinking, except, uh, well, 
Usually, I assume if somebody's telling you to get back to work in a pandemic, they're the bosses or the landlords because they, they want your labor or your money. But these people are actually throwing their lives on the line. Like they're getting together in a crowd. Um, I don't, I think one of the, maybe the Michigan one, there was a guy just sobbing about not being able to get fertilizer. Oh, that was so Did funny. you see that? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you, no, it's, you, you can still get fertilizer, get guys. Like, yeah, I'll take a shit on your believe, lawn. You, Call you me. Can't, you can't buy, you can't buy paint for your house. You can't buy fertilizer for your for your lawn. And uh, you know, uh, how but, am I but, supposed but, to get summer squash in these conditions? <laughs> there was a woman who says, I, you know, she can't get her hair dyed. She's got this huge streak of gray, and it's like that's not a month's worth of growth, honey. You haven't been getting your hair dyed in a <laughs> right. while. That's like a, that's a solid six months of hair growth. Have you just been putting it off? And uh, you've got Doctor Oz or whatever going on Fox oh my News, God. saying like, "Look, we should reopen the schools because only like two or three percent of kids are even going to die." So, like, yeah, why not? You guys are using up all of the audio clips that I had thought that we would use as bumps. We're just setting them up. We're setting them up for context. Yeah, now, later, now people yeah. will know what's being referenced. <laughs> Yeah, but people yeah, are losing. So yeah, it's good. Nebraska kind of uh, figured it out because our governor has refused to like yeah. institute like the shelter in place order, um, and is basically just relying on people to not want to do it. But I think he's he's trying to thread that needle of being like, well, you know, I, it's not locked down, so like, don't come protest me because like. I'm just, it's all voluntary, everybody. Like, it's just, I'm not telling you you have to. I'm just telling you, you're probably going to die if you don't. So that's not, that's on you. Yeah, it doesn't it's seem to work that well, though. I mean, it ha- isn't Grand Isle a huge hot oh, spot God. right now? Yeah. Is that's, Grand uh, Island going going crazy right now? I think it, well, it had like some meatpacking plant where they were like, yeah. we're not closing down. You, oh, you got to be up here at four in the morning or whatever. I don't care how you know sick you are. Get get in that damn meat packing plant. Well, and you know that the people who work at the fucking meat plant, meat packing plants in Grand Island, Nebraska, they're not. These are not like middle class white Americans. These are like the poorest of the poor. Nobody yeah. works in one of those those meat packing plants if they're not. You know. That probably a lot of them are undocumented workers who didn't, by the way, benefit from any of this kind of stimulus. Right. Uh, and they can't just be like, well, I'll just get unemployment or like, I'll just wait for my Trump checks to right. come in or whatever. Um, that's not really an option for a lot of those workers, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it kind of backfired on him because, of course, uh, now there's an outbreak uh, in the town. And uh, these smaller towns, man, like, you know, if you get an outbreak there and you've got a few dozen people or whatever, like, you know, if a few dozen people in a big city get sick, that's not that big of a deal. But if a few dozen people in a pretty small town do, like, how many ICU beds, you know, do they have open in some of these more rural areas? And and for sure, and especially what we know about the way that, uh, like, small rural town hospitals have been basically just fading away into the ether. They're just not profitable anymore, you know? Fucking, like, 20 years or something, you know? Like, where's where's even the nearest ICU bed? It might be in Lincoln, and Grand Island is out there, you know, a, an hour and a half away from that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, how are, how are things looking, I mean, in terms of, uh, at, like, hospital capacity and stuff up where you are, Max? We, you know, uh, Brendan and I have been focusing, I think, mostly on, you know, the 
the middle to the southern plains, but you're you're in the plains also, and yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with the Lake States that much. Yeah, Minneapolis is in a pretty good situation. Like we we managed to flatten the curve pretty early on, and so the projections are that we won't wind up uh, filling up our IC units or uh, running out of rebreathers or anything like that. Um, it is, however, like because it's sort of flattened out, I think people are starting to think, oh, nothing happened when in fact it's just moved the curve back. We're still gonna, we're still gonna get hit. And I keep waiting for that. Like it's like standing on the edge of a cliff and knowing you're gonna fall off at some point. It just, it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, for the it's most more like part, it's, it's like jumping off a cliff and then landing on a slightly lower ledge that you didn't see over the edge <laughs> exactly. of the cliff. And then a bunch of people saying like, oh, well, that worked out fine. You should just jump again. Why not? <laughs> right. Worked and out right time. Our governor keeps extending how long we're going to be at home because he doesn't want to lift it until we have sufficient tests and sufficient um contact tracers to be able to I mean, that seems smart that seems like the way that you should be handling this fucking yeah, thing yeah it's the only way to handle it at this point um and uh but of course the gop locally and conservatives in general are rebelling they just want it opened up immediately which of course would undo any good that uh the children place did well and it's it's awfully frustrating too when i don't know if, if you know like the the most basic things about epidemiology and how this kind of thing could, you know, you can flatten the curve, but if you open reopen too quickly, then you're just going to have another curve that you have to deal with, that kind yep. of thing. And then when you've got people like, uh, like Steve King of Iowa going on Rush Limbaugh and talking about like, oh, this has got to stop, you know, uh, like 22 million people are unemployed enough. People have always died. We'll adjust, you know. Uh, and all of the yeah. people it's in know, god's hands in- you know let's let's just get out there and reopen you know all of the uh all you can eat buffets and let god sort it out all right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i you had a, you had another uh clip from somebody today i i can't even remember who it was at this point because it's all the fucking same republican ghouls talking about like uh maybe we can you know, like, let's reopen the schools, you know, because like 3%, 3% isn't like that big a loss. You know, we're talking about like 3% of the kids who go to elementary school. That's and, a thing or that like, we're... and their families that they have to interact with and yeah. the janitors and the janitors families. And yeah, like it's, it's just not, it's just not a, a calculus that you want to be voicing much less considering i mean i i absolutely understand why people are starting to you know get frustrated and tear their hair out and climb the walls or whatever right but the the wisdom about how you get over this kind of thing or make sure that a whole bunch of people don't die um is now intersecting with this weird sort of uh like live free or die like libertarianism strain in in conservatism and they're just gonna get a bunch of people killed it's not it's not a freedom thing it's a you know it's it 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 ends up being a statement about you know the the benefits of collective action instead of like pure uh pure individualism 
Yeah, I mean, and even with libertarianism, your right to swing your fist has always ended where my nose is. Right. Well, if your breath is toxic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's violating the, the non-aggression <laughs> principle, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's pretty clear that that the impet- that there is a a balance that that's impossible to maintain right now, which is either capitalism or human life, and that's always been the case in slow motion. You know, sure, cap- capitalism has always been quietly and slowly genocidal, and in the past, much more nakedly and openly genocidal. And it's just been amazing to watch the conservative party flip to genocidal so quickly. Like we, we have to just stomach, you know, based on my back of the envelope math, if, if 40% of the world gets infected and, you know, the, the who estimate right now is at 3.5% die, that's 80 million dead. That's four times the black death. That's a pretty big, we just got to stomach that. We just got to be okay (laughs) with that. Right. What if, what if, you know, what if my shares in, in Walmart go bad yeah. though? Like, come yeah. on, we got to weigh the cost here. Uh, 80 mil, what are 80 million lives versus profitability for, uh, Disney theme parks? You know, uh, who can, who can really make such a judgment? Okay. Um, but the thing is, Brendan, I understand why, you know, the people who are actually like heavily invested in those industries are making these right. arguments. The thing that just absolutely baffles me is all of the people who are like working on the ground who are, you know, I'm, I'm going to play it as one of the, the fucking bump clips on this episode. The people standing out in front of a, like the Kentucky State House chanting, we want to work. We want to work, you know, and one of our friends on Twitter said, like, this is the most cucked bullshit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like you're it, all you're doing is sacrificing your life on the on the altar of Moloch at this point, it, like for for some sort of I, I don't know, you, your reward must be in the afterlife because it's not going to be in this life because you don't you're not getting the, you know, uh, Steve Mnuchin said like, yeah, that twelve hundred dollar check that everybody got like that should last everybody about 10 weeks. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't pay any of your bills, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, G- I'm with him. The GOP has spent so long convincing people to vote against their best interest um, and funneling information to them. Like you, you probably see as much disinformation floating around a lot online as I do. the The idea that the the amount of deaths is being grossly inflated because it, so there's a, a, a popular GOP fantasy that every death, death is being recorded right now as COVID-19, when in fact we were probably grossly underestimating the number of people <laughs> right. who are, or like, are dying like from the, it. The, the WHO is the same thing as the, uh, you know, whatever the, like the deep state or yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're all, they're all involved in the, the new world order sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah. Ultimately, you can't have a death cult unless people wind up actually dying. And so we've reached we've reached the moment where a certain percentage of Republicans are expected to sack. <laughs> I mean, they were open about it. Uh, oh, the, my God. Go, no, you're totally in your right. town. <laughs> they're the ones they're the ones who have been like pulling the the alarm whistle or lighting up the fucking uh what I was say, like the signals to Gondor or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, about 
you know, like all of politics is a death cult, but they're the ones who are throwing themselves on the funeral pyre in order to send that signal out. Uh huh. Yeah, and uh, it, it makes uh, it makes total sense when you think about it too, because I think most of the politicians look at it with the calculus of like, well, yeah, like you know, probably millions of people are going to die, but they're probably poor people anyway, so. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fine, you know. If uh, if Boris Johnson gets the coronavirus, like he's gonna get the best care, uh, you know. Right. And they know in America, yeah. if you're a rich, well-connected congressman and you get sick, like freaking Rand Paul or whatever, um, you're gonna get the best care possible. It's all these people who you know don't have connections that aren't gonna get care and are gonna die from it, and so. That's absolutely a sacrifice that you're willing to make when you're like, oh, people that I don't even care about will die. Um, that benefits me twice because they probably weren't going to vote for me and uh, and my stocks are making more money now. So, like, duh, that's a double win. On top of that, if a few rich people die, a few rich people die. It's Capitalism is always about supporting capitalism, not supporting individual capitalists. Um, there are people who die every year from... Uh, you know, who are rich people who die from complications caused by um, pollution in the environment. I, I, this is the moment for me when I realized just how deadly capitalism is, because they were saying the actual number of deaths is being offset by people who aren't dying from other causes and like like air pollution. I thought, well, how many people could possibly be dying from air pollution? And then I looked it up and it's an estimated 7 million people per oh, year. Oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like that is a bonfire of humanity that we are accepting in the favor of capitalism. It's like, well, I mean, 7,000 is not 80 or 7 million is not 80 million, but if the world can absorb 7 million, it could probably absorb 80 million. You know, absorb without even knowing. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is it is crazy to see that they're just totally mask off and they're like yeah, millions of people will die, but you know, everybody got to die sometime. Yeah, the line, line goes up. <laughs> what are you gonna up, do about it? I believe is the is the meme. Line goes up. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's 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 pretty dark out there. <laughs> it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Let's, let's take a little. Let's take a little break there. <laughs> we'll bring it back to something else. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> we want to work. Now. We want to work. the things that has been kind of coming up in in conversation that it doesn't have to do with what our government is doing it doesn't have to do with what various people are doing uh, but rather just a, a thing that seems kind of weirdly universal to everybody is dreaming everybody's mm. dreaming a lot yeah. more and and max i did did you have a chance to hunt up that uh new york times article I did. Uh, that I mentioned. Yep. What what did you think about that? I mean, you're you're a storyteller. This is this was going to be a, a thing that I thought would be kind of cool to talk to you about. People are reporting dreaming much more and much more vividly and much more memorably during this sort of thing. And you know, this this article offered some uh some suggestions for why that might be, but I was, I was curious about your opinion as somebody who kind of tries to tap into that, you know, in your work. Yeah. I mean, I already write down my dreams when I remember them just cause like I've realized I've got ongoing characters and like places that recur in my dreams. And I, yeah. 
It was interesting to me to just sort of chart your, your that. mind, your various mind palaces that you go back to when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I wind up in that, Omaha. I don't mean that to be shitty either, because no, like, no. I've got I've got places too. There's like there's like a big rambly theater that's got like a, an apartment complex on top of it that I've been in my dreams. I don't know, yeah. like a hundred times at this point. You know, just like yeah, it's amazing compartmentalized location that my brain always goes back to. And I've been experiencing going back to these places in my dreams now and finding them closed down because of COVID-19. Yeah. Which is a weird way for the real world to intersect with uh, with my dream world. Yeah. Um, so rude. It is. It's rude. It's very depressing. <laughs> you can't, there's no escape. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I genuinely had a sex dream recently where I visited an ex-girlfriend. I, like, drove out to see her and we started smooching. And then we were like, oh, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, because you know we're we're not practicing safe social distancing right now. Yeah, <laughs> I dreamed that shit. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing that happened to me recently that I didn't expect was years ago when I lived in Omaha and I worked at the News Weekly there, the Reader. I, I was a designer for them. Uh, I had been an editor previously and a writer, but I came back to them to do some layout work. And you know how in newspapers is always house ads. It's because they always wind up with a place where they didn't sell an ad or something. Well, I started doing something just as a joke, which I started doing fake prognostications as a character named Dr. Mysterion. All right. Um, I was influenced by uh, like these old timey TV psychics who'd come up with the most outrageous um, predictions possible. I just thought it was funny to sneak it in there. <laughs> and I was doing that week after week. And finally, my boss there, John Heaston, who runs the paper, noticed and offered to pay me to actually keep writing them. <laughs> nice. And so I wound up writing Dr. Mysterion for 15 years. Do we do we have any screenshots of this we can use for the like the episode image? Yeah, I can, I can send you um, some uh, Dr. Mysterion stuff. Um, but I stopped doing it a couple of years ago because after 15 years, I got a little burned out by it. But all of a sudden, recently, I got reinvigorated. So I created a, a Twitter page for Dr. Mysterion and just started prognosticating again. But they're very different. Like it was very jokey previously. And now it, it feels weirdly heartfelt. And like it, it, it feels like it's my attempt to understand what's going on using this this metaphor of of sort of this fraud psychic. And one of the things that I published as Dr. Mysterion, I think yesterday, the day before, was that the reason we're having all these dreams, these oddly vivid dreams, is because our imagination is trying to teach itself to expand. Because we're entering an era where we need to be visionary. And so as we sleep, our brain is trying to teach itself to be, be capable of visions. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, it's a hopeful, you know, I think a, I'm using it to try and and offer hopeful alternatives to what would feel like a very dour and depressing present right now. Yeah, everybody practice lucid dreaming so that you can get through the uh, pandemic nightmare dreams mm. um, and then like just have a dream where you're Spider-Man. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so Brendan, I mean, have you, have you found that you're, I mean, of the three of us, you're probably the person who who's sleep schedule has changed the least mm. right because like you're still working you're working from home you're working a an eight hour day or whatever you've got kids you've got to go to bed on time you've got to wake up on time um but 
Uh, that was one of the New York Times suggestions. Like, why is everybody dreaming so much more right now is because everybody's catching up on a bunch of sleep. So have you noticed that your dreams have changed that much? I had a period a couple weeks ago where this was definitely happening. Like I was having like much more dreams and like dreams that would wake me up at like four in the morning um, in like a cold sweat. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what's happening right now. No, I had one last Um, night where like once the dream wrapped up, I just I kind of wound up awake. And the first thing I said was, huh. (laughs) <laughs> that was yeah. that was something else yep yeah i i should take uh max's advice and, and write them down because they're often so compelling and so fascinating for about 15 minutes and then they are gone mm-hmm. <laughs> and you mm-hmm. will never be able sure. to remember them again yep. i i do remember it, the, the dreams that i remember stupidest dreams one of the worst dreaming experiences i ever had was when i was working at target and we were doing like a changeover for christmas or something like that and it was like you have to pull like an all-nighter put all these christmas trees together or something like that and like rearrange these entire sections but the pay was good and so i was like yeah whatever i i you know i'll I'll do it uh i'll do a couple overnights and you would work from like nine at night until like six in the morning go to bed and then wake up at like five in the afternoon so that you could go to work at 9 p.m and one time i was just completely exhausted and i went home immediately fell asleep and had a dream that i was at work doing the same thing that i had just done for 10 hours and then woke up like took a shower ate a sandwich and went back and did it again. And I was like, this is what madness feels like. And then you would wake up from it and be like, oh shit, that didn't even happen. That was me dreaming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what a that. waste of a dream. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> there's, the a, there's a, a classic Calvin and Hobbes where you like, he wakes up and gets ready for school and goes and stands, you know, waiting for the bus and gets sprayed by like the shitty spray as the bus pulls up or whatever. And then he wakes up in bed and it's like, Ain't that the truth, buddy? <laughs> ain't, ain't that exactly how it goes? Yeah. But have you guys ever done lucid dreaming where you realize that you're in a dream and you can kind of control your your dream somewhat? I have. I have. I, uh, I actually taught myself how to do that back when I was in college. And for a while, it was having... It does. Uh, for a while, I was regularly having lucid dreams. And then I realized that they were much less interesting than when I just let myself head dream. Because when I would lucid dream, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to fly around for a little while. And I'd be like, I'm not really getting that much out of this. <laughs> it's, it's fun for a couple of times, but, you know, the, when you let your subconscious go to work, you just yeah. never know where you're going to wind now up. They say, I'm telling you, Spider-Man, it's the way to go. None of that flying nonsense. Yeah, now, Spider-Man it up. Now, now they say <laughs> that people who are capable of doing lucid dreaming are much more susceptible to... Uh, hypnosis than people who aren't able mm. to do that thing. So, Max, have you ever been hypnotized? I have. Um, in fact, I had four teeth pulled via hypnosis. No shit. What? When I was uh, in my teens. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, four adult teeth that had to be pulled to make r- room for the braces, but it didn't really work then. Like, I, it was oh, no. agonizing. <laughs> oh, um, no. And, 
as a result of that, I, I was like, well, what went wrong? And I, I went through a period where I really got into hypnosis and self-hypnosis. And I still go through this period. Sometimes I have periods where I, I listen to it. I literally on my iPhone have like 20,000 hours were like an absurd amount of self-hypnosis recordings because I just went through the iTunes catalog. If you, you know, if you subscribe to <laughs> iTunes, you can have whatever you want to. And I downloaded everything. And so sometimes when I'm having a hard time sleeping, I'll just put that on and listen to them all night, which means that often in my sleep, I'm, I'm interacting with the hypnosis, uh, and, and also the occasional liquid flannel episode, and you're just like yelling at the, the <laughs> exactly. that'll that'll pop okay. up as well. Hypnosis um, shuffle. <laughs> but I've taught my I've taught myself how to do it pretty well. Like I I I've still have to get dental work not done now and then. I really hate to get uh, Novocaine. I just despise the feeling. So there's been more than a few times where I've said, "Don't don't do that." I can I'll just. Give me 10 minutes and then I can handle it. That's some Zen Buddhist monk shit. That's, That's amazing. Wild. That is unimaginable. I can't believe you, sir. It, it helped as well when I started getting tattoos like a year ago because I have oh, to yeah. say, I was terrified of tattoos. Like I've, I've always been afraid of needles, but I was like, I was like, I think I can handle this. And it really, you know, while I'm getting tattooed, I'm constantly sort of reconvincing myself that what I'm experiencing is pressure and heat rather than pain and it'll fade like after a while i'll be like no this kind of feels like it hurts and then i'll just sort of <laughs> i'll sort of relax and force myself into it again um so yeah i've never actually had a problem getting getting a tattoo and i i thought it was just going to be agonizing um but the un unfortunately the side effect was that i got addicted to tattoos yeah no you're and you're literally the guy uh that tyler durden slaps the shit out of in fight club when he's yep. like, don't go to your safe place like be here did you uh did you listen to s-town <laughs> oh fucking shit what is it what is, it's a podcast S-Town was the it, it was the thing that like primed the entire culture for watching uh, tiger, the tiger king. king oh really oh yeah. my god no i didn't listen to that it's a it's a podcast about this uh this crazy southern guy but one of the things that he's into is uh is like ritualized uh extreme tattooing Sick and poke tattooing yeah Max, Max, I'm going to disagree with my co-host here and say you should not listen to S-Town because it's bad and exploitative. Yeah, if you want to have weird nightmares. I, ha I haven't watched the Tiger King show because it really seems like like tigers get hurt in it. <laughs> I just... Right. Not, I'm not yeah. really in the mood for that. I am trying to resist watching it too because it seems like what happens is everybody watches it and says like, oh, that guy seems like a fun guy. And you're like, no, he's like a tiger animal abuse murder yeah. guy or whatever and they're like no he seems like fun trump should pardon him yeah not great yeah i've got i've got multiple friends who are like oh have you watched this yet and it's like i don't think that i'm gonna enjoy it i think i i i've i listened to s-town so yeah i've been tr i've been trying to thread the needle between not watching it but then not talking about how i'm not gonna watch it which seems yeah, to be the totally. two friends on twitter we ruined it absolutely right absolutely right well let's uh let's let's change uh tack here gentlemen um just real quick there were a couple of uh sort of like regionally important pieces of news that i thought would be good to talk about the uh there's an ongoing dispute here in texas about whether or not the the vote by mail statute covers people who are afraid of getting the coronavirus. Ken Paxton 
our attorney general, who I did not realize until just in the past couple of days looks exactly like Chevy Chase. And it's pretty hilarious. Um, said like, no, it doesn't cover it. And then a Texas court said like, no, it absolutely does cover that thing. Um, so hopefully people who are voting in the, we've got a, a primary runoff and some other uh, like down ballot runoffs coming up in the next couple of months. It looks like people are going to be able to actually vote by mail, uh, which is, that's just smart. Yeah. That's just smart. Right. But that's, that speaks to the, like the broader issue of Republicans kind of nationwide, not wanting people to be able to vote by mail. And that goes all the way up to fucking Trump. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, I mean, Republicans have long known that if they suppress votes and it doesn't matter whose votes they suppress, just in general, the more voter suppression happens, the better it winds up being for them. If like 75% of the voters are against you, then suppressing that other 25%, that doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah, so they're continuing this fiction of mass voter fraud, um, as though voter suppression isn't a form of voter fraud. Um, and even though like the military votes via mail and... Trump voted via mail. Like, there's a long tradition of it, and it works. They're behaving. Yeah, no, only Republicans can do it. Only upstanding <laughs> Republicans are able. All the other people, those are the people you can't trust. That's right. I mean, in my case, I'm a Tammany Hall Democrat, so I think that if we can, like, get people in mustaches to vote and then shave them and get them to vote again and have the dead vote, that's <laughs> that's fine. Like, I'm that's, in favor that's of that. what I've been doing. I, I, I have my mustache growing out right now, uh -huh. and then yeah. I'm going to shave it off, and then I'm going to kill myself, and I'm going to vote the third time. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine, you know, risking like going to jail for like a vote stuffing, vote by mail fraud to elect Joe Biden? Oh God, yeah. Nobody <laughs> has the passion for that. What a waste nope. of your time. <laughs> One of the biggest stories about voter fraud in the 2016 election was the gal who uh, was a Trump voter here in Texas, I think, who like voted in one precinct and then somehow cast a vote someplace else. She was like one of the only voter frauds recorded yeah. that entire uh, electoral cycle. And she got caught so easily. She didn't even wear a fake mustache. Didn't, didn't even think to, like, put on a wig or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there was a woman in Florida who registered something like 10 years ago as Hannah Arendt. And so she's been able to vote as Hannah Arendt all this time, but she never has. And so she wrote a story that was like, oh, voter fraud is, th is just this easy. I could always have done this. And it was like, <laughs> okay, first of all, there's two things. You didn't. And we don't know whether you would have been caught. You probably would have. But secondly, why is it always conservatives who are engaged in voter fraud? Like, all you're proving is that we can't trust you. Also, go ahead and do it and prove how easy it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Because now your identity is known to everybody, and surely you'll go to jail. Well, and here's the thing as well. Like, she could vote. She was just voting under an assumed name. She wasn't voting twice. There was no fraud happening. It was just a different name that was being used. Like, I have a couple <laughs> of different names. If I vote as Bunny Sparber... And then don't vote in any other form. That's still my vote. I still can do that. <laughs> right. There's no no where fraud knows, has been demonstrated. Where does Bunny Sparber come from? Oh, it way? comes from an old uh, old girlfriend. Um, she 
called me that when I was 19 and 20, and it's just kind of stuck with me ever since. Was it Hugh Hefner? It was Hugh Hefner, him. <laughs> <laughs> he and I, long, he gets around. long relationship. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that, actually, because uh, my, my Twitter handle, Matt the Great, is that's an old, like, junior high nickname mm-hmm. uh, from exactly one friend who... Does not engage with the podcast or any of us on Twitter. Or like <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm kind of thankful. I mean, Nebraska has a really generous vote by mail program. So they've long had like you can vote by mail for any reason. You don't need to have like a special excuse or anything like that. Like anybody who requests it just can do that. And um, they've actually been doing a good job of promoting that as an option and like sending out mailers. And I even got a. Uh, an adorably misspelled text from my uh, county uh, that requested me to uh, uh, get a mail-in ballot uh, spelled like ballet. <laughs> yeah, it was a, that, was an, that was an Indian phone scammer, Brendan. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, as long as they're fighting the good fight yeah. out there, um, I'll take it. But uh, wait, unless they, unless they were ac- actually offering you a free free ballet, uh, yeah. You know, a free ballet. God, yeah, I should have requested my ballet. What was I thinking? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got my ballot, and then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, man, this election is so dumb, because what I'm voting for is, like, who's going to run against Ben Sass and get, like, 30% of the vote? There's, like, seven candidates, and I looked all of their websites up, and I was just like, meh, these people know that they don't have a chance, so they're not even trying yeah, that yeah. hard. Yeah, it's too uh, bad. You know, now that Texas is a swing state, I'm sure you guys have uh, some some good stuff. <laughs> Unlike Nebraska. I mean, maybe if if Beto had run for uh, governor here, uh, we would have a, a serious progressive movement going on. But but he didn't. He ran well, for he president. He was born to be yeah. president. He said. He, um, yeah. Apparently not of America, but uh, he was gonna he was gonna skateboard his way straight into the fucking <laughs> Oval Office. President of the uh, over fifty skateboard <laughs> league of Austin. Jump up on the fucking resolute desk and give a speech. Yeah, yeah, super. Yeah. I'm gonna start posting like this is what we could have had memes with him like just flipping a half pipe on the roof of the White House. Oh my god! Can you imagine putting Biden on a skateboard right now? Oh my yeah. god. Well, I think they're just going to be rolling him back and forth on the skateboard anyway. That guy is fading fast. One chair on two skateboards as they wheel him on and off the stage. Extreme! (laughs) What we call that is a dolly at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fellas. I think that's uh, about time for us to uh, take a break. And when we come back, we will, as we always do, try to bring you out on a high note. So we're talking about high notes. The high note. That's, yeah. uh, that's, I need them yeah. in these in these times. I, I the do high too. notes are what keeps me going. It couldn't be more important. Uh, this this device that we've had on our show for the entirety of the show. It no, couldn't be a, more important right it's now. It's a good device. And for me, the high note is that um, 
I think all of us are probably much more reliant on digital media than we have been previously. Um, and for me, it was the high note this week was finding out that a movie from the 80s called uh, Valley Girl is now available for the first time ever streaming. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those movies that had a really particular soundtrack and I think got locked up because of soundtrack rights. And they finally Frank cleared Zappa. them. He, he wouldn't let him. <laughs> I, so Zappa might be on it. Um, it. It really is. It's one of the first proper new wave movies. Uh, it stars, it's Nicolas Cage's first starring role. And uh, he's, oh, wow. he's a kid from Hollywood, a punk from Hollywood who goes out to the valley. Um, and he meets the titular valley girl played by Deborah Foreman, who I I just adore. She's a terrific. I think it's- I think that's Nicolas Cage's actual, uh, like, origin story, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true story. It's a documentary. <laughs> he definitely sometimes doesn't seem like he's aware that he's on on film. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a romance between a valley girl and a punk from Hollywood. Um, but it's also a real portrait of an era. And the era is the, the dawn. Because even though he's a punk rocker, it's a very new wave movie. And I was a new waver in high school. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Martha Coolidge, who did uh, uh, Clueless, if I remember right. And uh, sure, uh, she she really had an incredible ear for music, so the soundtrack is great. And it's also an, a, just a really interesting portrait of uh, of the Valley in Los Angeles at that time period. Like it, it really captures it. So it's I'm thrilled that it's now available digitally. I I own a copy of it on DVD, so I I I'm able to watch it whenever I want to. But I think it deserves to be rediscover, rediscovered by larger, especially I think Deborah Foreman deserves to be rediscovered because I really think that if if this were a just society, she would have gone on to be as as big a star as Nicolas Cage. Like she's as yeah. much as much charisma and she's as eccentric. Oh, beautiful. So what was the what was the title of the film again? Valley Girl. Valley Girl. Yeah. Valley Girl is is Max Barber's uh, high note yeah. for this week, everybody. Oh my what god! What are you, Brendan? You you want to uh, totally. show which which one of us is going to go first? Uh, yeah. Well, I'll talk about mine. Uh, so my high note this week has been uh, we found Kingdom Hearts three was only fifteen dollars. Dope. So we were like, we got to get in on this Kingdom Hearts 3. And I was like, no the, way. Kids, the kids will have fun with this. It's like a Disney game where you run around and, and press X a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, except not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it is that. Uh, it, it is it is an amazing game. Uh, and especially to jump in on number three, where they do absolutely no work to prepare you for the... It says three, but I think there's really like nine games including like phone games that were only released in japan and stuff like that that they're building on the story from and the story is um it's something else uh one of the most effective videos i looked up is called like um a brief explanation of the kingdom hearts story and it's like 43 minutes long um (laughs) (laughs) and it's just amazing to see these like you know this this game looks like they threw hundreds of millions of dollars at it um you know when we were kids and toy story was in theaters we were like someday video games are going to look like that this video game looks substantially better 
than that movie. Um, <laughs> but yet it it has like Tom Hanks's brother because they couldn't get Tom Hanks. They did get James Woods, though. James Dude. Woods is in the game, but not Danny DeVito from Hercules. It opens yeah, in a big Hercules sequence. It's pretty easy to get James Woods to I guess. in anything at this point. <laughs> but yeah, and then you've got, you know, like... Um, uh, uh, like Tom Hanks' brother as Woody being like, you know, well, Sora, you've got to go get the nine hearts of the Keyblade to stop Xehanort. And this, oh, yuck. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and Goofy uh, being like, but if your memories were digitized into a computer and Ansem went back in time to fight Zigbar, well, then... Gorsh, that means we better get down to Ratatouille. <laughs> You're oh, like, shit. oh my god. Bre- Bre- Brendan, did I ever tell you that my dad <laughs> grew up just down the block from the guy who now does the goofy voice for Disney? Oh man, that is uh, Don- incredible. Don Farmer. He was just like, just down the block from where my grandparents lived. That guy, uh, what a what a guy, man. He's, he's yeah. doing it. Uh, and he's been doing it for what, like 40 years yeah, uh, incredible. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you. I don't know how you'd replace somebody from Pratt, Kansas, like that. Yeah, I, I just wish you know there probably is some like behind the scenes featurette where some voice coach has to like tell James Woods like, no, you just say the lines from Hercules, but <laughs> right. also just can you also pronounce all these well, like James anime Woods, bullshit words James in the middle? James Woods has done a has done a shitload of that like Disney voice acting. He did all of the. Uh, you know, like Hercules animated series stuff. <laughs> he just loves because, it. It's like, who the fuck else is going to employ him? Because he's a dick. Like, nobody <laughs> likes him. He's got it locked in on that yeah. Hades, on that Lord of the Underworld there. <laughs> yeah. That's his brand. So, yeah, that's been amazing. I, I encourage everybody to just YouTube, um, you know, compilations of the best moments of Kingdom Hearts 3 out of context because you will just laugh <laughs> and laugh and laugh. Um, at this insane video game, which is, it's really more of like an avant-garde project and like how absurd they can be and still get you to pay money for it. Um, and they're just winning. They're winning every day. <laughs> well, speaking of avant-garde uh, high notes, um, I, I didn't actually share the the clip with either Brendan or Max, so they're not going to know what I'm talking about. But um, we have talked about the cats musical movie oh, yeah. uh, before. Oh, I know exactly this, what you're talking about. And this little clip came out uh, of like what the like the Blu-ray uh, commentary track Oh, I saw that. Like. The audio description of, uh, of the, <laughs> right. the on-screen action. Exactly. Yeah. This is for, this so is so gonna... people who are blind can watch the movie and have a, a an auditory description from a deadpan voice actor just reading very flatly <laughs> what a, 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 a description of what is occurring on screen so yeah. so i think i'll just play a little clip from this uh blu-ray commentary track under a dining table the cats watch tiny womanly cockroaches in high heels dance in lines on a wooden beam more roaches walk up the leg of the table all right that's it yeah i mean cockroaches crawling around like the the whole thing is completely inexplicable. It's impossible to describe to a it, blind person what's like going on. It's like narrating a, in a this hallucination. Movie. There's no there's <laughs> yeah. no point. It's just amazing. Yeah. I, I, I saw that movie 
in the theater and we walked out going like I I kind of feel like I'm coming down from like a Molly trip. <laughs> yeah. No, I it's a fun way to watch a movie. You know, if you have a movie that you've seen um you know, many times, like take the original Star Wars or something like that and just play along as the movie plays and pretend that you're the person that has to do the, you know, audio <laughs> description for the yeah. blind. And be like, okay, so uh, there's like a big uh, tall uh, gold robot and then like a little blue robot and then they're walking across the hallway and a bunch of guys are shooting lasers at him and they have weird helmets on and then, oh, now they're going into a thing and then she's putting a chip into the tiny robot and uh, it's... Yeah, it's a fun exercise. That's that's the original Star Wars movies. Can you imagine trying to do uh, like a, Attack of the Clones or something? It's like, oh, and then there's like a giant uh, arena yeah. full of like weird bug monsters. And Gungan like, parts all, all fly the, everywhere yeah, as the droids. All, the, all of the good guys are like down in the middle and like one of them's fighting a thing that's like it's got big trunks for legs and like a big <laughs> brontosaurus neck. Boss Nass shakes his face rapidly and Spittle flies everywhere as, as Jar Jar cartoonishly wipes his brow. <laughs> well, this has been an absolute treat of an episode. Um, I, I hope everybody is keeping themselves, you know, fairly sane and fairly healthy. Uh, we had Max Sparber on the show. Thank you, Max. Oh, my pleasure. It's it it's always amazing to have you on, and it's been really cool to have you on for just just talking about issues, not you know exploiting you for content. <laughs> exploiting my labor, <laughs> like we like we usually do. <laughs> Max, where can, where can people find you and your work online? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Max Sparber. Uh, and also at Dr. Mysterian, um, if you want regular updates of my my imagined journeys into the future. <laughs> uh, I also have my own publication uh, via email that looks at uh, avant-garde, experimental, and off-the-beaten-path art called Absolute Bleeding Edge, and you can find that at... Uh, um, absolutebleedingedge.com um, will we'll allow you to subscribe to it and it'll give you a chance to look at the newest issue um, oh, and I do that cool. I do that once weekly yeah nice oh that's that's so good um, yeah we, we also have a subscription service uh, at the patreon.com slash liquid flannel pod but we've waived all of our uh, subscription fees for the for the interim nice um so you know that's that's where you get your your bonus episodes if you want to hear more from me i'm on twitter pretty much all the time at matt the great with w and brendan williams is a much more uh reserved sort of twitterer and he's on twitter i'm at brendan williams with one l yeah, uh, the show's at, yeah. Trying to the keep shows. my sanity by staying oh, yeah. off of Twitter during <laughs> the pandemic as much as possible. You're right. <laughs> the show is at liquid underscore flannel, and I think that's it for us this week, folks. Thank you again, Max. Thank you.